Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. We're in the fourth part of our series called He Said What? And He Said What is a series about some of the outrageous things Jesus said. Everyone say outrageous. Outrageous. Because Jesus did say some very outrageous things. And can I qualify that by saying He said some very beautiful things. He said some things that were so sweet by nature. But they're the ones we are far more comfortable with. And they are the ones our favourite verses are centred around. What I thought we would do with this series is look at some of the Scriptures, some of the things that Jesus said that we may not be so comfortable with, maybe just look over and dare not even entertain. Because Jesus is not only the Lamb that was slain on our behalf, but He's also the Lion in the tribe of Judah. And I want us to be comfortable with Jesus as both Lion and Lamb and Lamb and Lion. That's the nature of this particular series. And in week number one, we looked at obedience is thicker than blood. Jesus said to His disciples and all those that were within hearing distance, you must hate your family if you want to come and follow me. And you know what? I've got to be honest. I saw a lot of smiles on people's faces when I said that. And some of you were going, woohoo. And I thought, man, this message has come just at the right time because you have definitely misunderstood what the Scriptures are saying. And so we had a great time around looking at what Jesus meant when it came to hating your family. That was week number one. Week number two, I spoke about uh, the masters of the universe. Jesus said, you cannot have two masters. You will either serve one and hate the other. You'll either love one or despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus got it down to two things that we're going to serve in this world, either God Almighty or the Almighty Dollar. And we looked around that in week number two. All of these messages are available to download free of charge on our iPhone iTunes account or our website. So please, please, please go to them. Week number three, I had a week off, which was fantastic. I had the privilege of sitting on the front row and being blessed out of my socks as Chris came up here and shared, die another day. And he spoke around when Jesus said, you got to pick up your cross if you want to follow me. And he talked about the significance of what the cross meant back in the day. It'd be like uh, standing before the firing squad. It'd be like, you know, sitting in an electric chair. It was kind of a gruesome death that Jesus was talking about if you want to follow Him. And that was a great, great message and very well presented. And I was blessed out of my socks. Which brings me to week number four. And week number four, I've simply entitled, Chew on this. Chew on this. I was tossing it up with that or bite me, but I've chose (laughs) chew on this. All right. And so um, it goes. All right. Um, John chapter 6. John chapter 6. We know this is Jesus speaking. Why? Because as we learned from Chris last week, everything Jesus said is written in red. That is, of course, if you have a red letter Bible. I don't. 
But Jesus did say this. And it says in John chapter 6, reading from verse 53 to 54, Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I, and I will raise them up on the last day. Jesus said, what? Eat my... I mean, the whole thing is just gross. Eat my... I mean, eat my... Eat my flesh and... And then he takes it further, drink my blood. Drink my I mean, people with a weak stomach, I mean, I can almost see the people just throwing up at that moment. Some people just like, drink my blood, eat my flesh. Are you kidding me? I mean, at that moment, People are, you know, if, if, if Jesus was alive today and shared that and we had the social media that we have today, people would be hashtagging, uh, Jesus said, eat my flesh, drink my blood, hashtag cannibalism. I mean, it's definitely got a, you know, kind of South American, kind of Amazonian kind of ring to it. But then he takes it to another level with drink my blood and it's kind of like a, like a twilight thing going on. I want to suck your blood. I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. And if you haven't stopped and looked at this passage and delved into it and, 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 and saw the craziness of what's going on here, we're not really reading. This series is about getting us really reading the Word of God and getting a love for it and getting an understanding for it and understanding the heart of what Jesus was saying. It's an amazing thing to me that Jesus would use such language. But in order to understand what He's saying, in other words, in order to understand the text, you've got to know the context. This is is Communication 101. Before we go any further, let me just say, whenever you hear anything about anyone, you need to get the context of that conversation. You don't just run off and say, oh, wow, that makes, yeah, okay, I'm running with that. Because lots of things have been said, but there was a context to it. Unless we delve into the context, we have no right to make a comment about it. And so we're never going to know what Jesus was saying unless we understand the context. And that's why it's not good enough just to have your favourite verse. You've got to know the context of your favourite verse. Otherwise, you end up distorting what God said. And so in order to understand the context, we have to go back a few verses. We have to go back in a few days and find out what's going on. What prompted Jesus to talk to these people in this manner? Because Jesus never did anything without a purpose or a reason. And if you go to the beginning of John chapter 6, this is your homework this week. Look at the whole of John chapter 6. Read it. I don't have time to do that this morning. But if you go into John chapter 6 in the first few verses, you'll see that before Jesus had this conversation with this group of people, He was on the other side of the Lake of Galilee and He just performed an incredible miracle. He fed 5,000 men, not including the women, not including the children. So there could have been anywhere from 10,000 to 20,000 people that He fed with five loaves and two fish. Crazy miracle. It was amazing. It was awesome. And people are just freaking out. We got food. 
The way to a man's stomach is food, they say. And, and Jesus gave him plenty of food, fish and bread. Gave him plenty of food. It's amazing. And then when Jesus had done that miracle, He gets His disciples in a boat and sends them on their way. Jesus was not in the boat. And in John chapter 6, I can't remember the verse, it says there was only one boat. And then all the crowd saw Jesus farewell the disciples in that one boat. Just one boat. And they saw Jesus stay on this side of the lake. And they said, bye. And during that night, Jesus decides to go for a little walk. Not around the lake. Many of you have done that. You go down Mawson Lake. I'm going to go around the lake. Jesus, that's so conventional. <laughs> that's so mainstream. Jesus was definitely not mainstream. And so Jesus, I'm not going around the lake. I'm going over the lake. Yeah. And so Jesus, I mean, it's a storm. So it's not just like a, it's not like a casual. He's like, you know, he's, he's like up and down on waves. I mean, he's like, whoa. Just he's like, he's just walking on the water. Having done an incredible miracle. I mean, who is this guy? And the very next day, there's a great crowd on the other side of the the lake. And they're just freaking out. This is the same crowd that received the feed. This is the same crowd that received the fish and the loaves. And it's the same crowd that saw Jesus say farewell to His disciples, knowing that He did not go with them. And yet knowing that He didn't go with them around the lake. And so there's this great question, how did Jesus get here? They didn't know, but they knew that it was a miracle. And who knows, maybe Peter and the disciples say, oh my gosh, you should have seen Jesus. He was walking on the water. Oh my gosh. And at that moment, they want to make Him king. At that moment, everyone loves Jesus. Everybody's happy. Is everyone happy here this morning? Everyone just a little bit freaked out. But seriously, the Pharisees are happy. The teachers of the law are happy. The scribes, they're happy. The disciples are happy. That's a bigger miracle than walking on water. Everybody happy? Are you kidding me? And Jesus knows they're happy. He knows they're happy. But He also knows they're happy in the wrong areas. He knows they're happy, but they're happy with the wrong thing. And so in their happiness, Jesus goes and ruins it all. You think, Jesus, come on, man. We've worked hard to get the people this unified. We've worked hard to get the people on the same page. And here we are. Oh, prior to this, they didn't know who you were, but now they want to make you king. This is our moment. And Peter's like, you know, they're accepting of you, which means they're accepting of me. You're the boss. I'm too. I see. This is a great day. And then he goes and ruins it. I can just imagine the disciples. Peter, oh, what's he doing? Oh, you're kidding me, man. Come on. Jesus goes and ruins it. And the reason he did that, because while they were happy, they were happy in the wrong things. You see, they were happy to receive from Jesus, 
but they refused to believe in Jesus. And Jesus knew it. They were happy to make Him King. They were happy to make Him their hero because of what He could do for them. Because what He could give them. It wasn't about Jesus for them at all. It was about them. And I love the blessing of God. I love the provision of God. I love the fact that people get married in church. I thank God they make their announcements about getting married. I thank God for baby announcements. I thank God for provisions of new homes and cars. And we celebrate it all here as we should. But God help us if we become a people that make church all about us. It is not about us. It's about Jesus. And so Jesus is addressing the very core of the issue that yes, you're happy because you've been fed. You've been happy because you've got food. And the people wanted more of this bread from heaven. That's essentially what the people wanted, more of this bread from heaven, more of anything for them. It was not about Jesus, it was about them. There are people who are under the the Roman law and Roman tyranny and they were looking for a Messiah. They were looking for someone to deliver them. They made it all about them. And Jesus would have none of this. And so in response to them wanting more bread from heaven, He does a few things and that's what we're gonna look at this morning. And the first thing that Jesus does is this, Jesus tests them. He didn't get them sitting down in rows, telling them all to be quiet while they sat an exam. He just started testing them right there and then. And in John chapter 6, verse 48, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. He was essentially saying, you want bread? Yeah, we want bread. You want bread? Well, here I am. I am the bread from heaven. I am the bread of life. I am, I am here. That's what he's saying. And he goes further, he's saying, and I'm better than the bread you received yesterday. I'm not only the bread from heaven, I'm better than the bread you received from heaven yesterday. And then he takes it further and says, I'm better than the bread and the manna that Moses received while wandering around the wilderness for 40 years. I'm better than that bread. You want bread? Here I am. I'm the bread of life. It's an awesome thing. Jesus standing before them. Now, of course, when He said, eat my flesh and drink my blood, He was not talking literally. Whoo! Just turn to the person next to you, wipe your brow and go, whoo! He was talking figuratively, not literally. He was not advocating cannibalism, nor vampirism. He was talking figuratively. And effectively, He was saying, like the bread that you feed off, You feed off my word. Like bread needs digesting, you need to digest my word. You need to meditate upon the things that you've read in order to understand. See, no one can have a big meal and then just go and play sport. 
You need to digest your food, otherwise you'll just throw it up. And unfortunately, in the body of Christ, we have people that don't digest what it is they've read and they just throw up somebody else's sermon. They throw on someone else's thought. The seven sons of Sceva did that. They said, this Jesus in whom Paul preaches come out and they got beaten up and seven men went away with their tails between their legs and they fled naked. Because they didn't have the authority, they didn't have the power that comes from digesting the Word of God, meditating, asking it questions, getting understanding for yourself. There's a lot of great messages on the website. There's a lot of great messages on the podcast. But just because you read it, just because you hear it, it doesn't mean that you own it. And food is only of any value when you digest it and it passes through your body. There's a condition given to people that eat their food and throw it up. And it's a very unhealthy condition. And we see it in the church all the time. We've got to digest the Word. That's what Jesus is saying. It's like bread, you've got to digest it. You've got to meditate on the Word. And like bread gives you energy, I am your source of energy. You ever been really hungry and you've got no energy? Then you eat something and you get energised? That's what Jesus is saying. Like bread, I will give you energy. I will sustain you. And then he takes it further with the blood. He says, like blood is essential for life. You know, if you lose too much blood, you'll die. Jesus is saying, I'm your life source. Like blood is your life source naturally. I'm your life source. He's saying, like blood of animals covers our sin. My blood will set you free from your sin once and for all. He's using these two things as an analogy to make a point. But he's also saying, but unlike bread and unlike blood, I'm eternal. There is no limit to my supply. I'm able to sustain you in the good times and the bad times. When you eat from me, you'll never eat, need to eat from anything else. I'm all that you need. That's what Jesus is saying here. You know, the other day, we received a letter from the electricity company. And I was a little apprehensive as to what it was going to say. Because six months earlier, we'd put on some solar panelling onto our roof. And uh, it was a 5K system on our roof. And uh, the purpose of that is to get our electricity bill down. That's the plan, that we draw power from the sun. And uh, I opened this bill. Now, our quarterly bill is normally anywhere from $1,000 per quarter to $1,200 per quarter. The summer month is one of the higher ones because of all the air conditioning that you need. And the reason we have air conditioning is to protect us from the sun, from the heat. And so I open this letter and I look at it thinking, what's it going to say? What's it going to say? And you know what? To my surprise, it didn't say $1,000. It didn't say $600. It didn't say that we owed the electricity company $400, $200, not even $100. It actually said, your grid has made so much power that we're giving you a $600 rebate back. <laughs> Amazing. Go purchase a solar system if you like. But as I like to do, I think, what, what, what's the God story? To, and I just started thinking about it. Isn't it amazing? As I got this bill, I thought, isn't it amazing? that the very sun itself is the very thing protecting me from the sun that I need protection from. Yeah, very good. Wow. 
See, in, in summer, we can sit there, it's hot. Sun is so hot. But the answer's in the problem. The problem that creates the heat is the answer that gives us the covering. And I thought, man, that's amazing. That's just like when people are complaining about because of all the work we have to do as Christians, serving the sun, burning out because we've got to do all this work for the sun. But if we would remain in Him, He will give us the energy to be able to serve Him so that when we get depleted and weary, we can go to Him and get the energy to serve Him so that when we're weary and tired, we can take the invitation to come to Him and get energised again. The answer is in the problem. And that's what Jesus is saying. You can't do anything without me. Abide in me. Abide in my love. That's what He's saying. We're not going to be able to sustain what it is that we're doing without eating and drinking of Him and from Him. The very job He's asked us to do is the very thing that will wear us out unless we go back to the source and get energised again. Having our team go to Kalawasi is wonderful, but that was very tiring. We have some people who aren't here this morning because of circumstances, you know, and it's tiring. It's tiring. But when we come to Jesus again, we get what we need to be able to do it again. Then we feel like giving up. We just go to Him again to get what we need. And so it's an amazing thought to me that our house kept cool because of the very problem itself. The sun provided the coolness to protect it from the heat that the sun was giving off. It's just a crazy thing. Isn't that awesome? That's amazing. That is so deep. I'm just going to have to just climb back up a minute. Just, just, just. That's crazy. And so maybe some of the things you're complaining about, turn it around. There's the answers in your problem. The answers in your problem. Awesome. When we, sorry, we eat His flesh and we drink His blood when we believe in Jesus and we obey His word. That's what Jesus is saying. And that's why he instituted the Lord's Supper, communion, the Eucharist. Because he didn't want us to forget the very core of what we believe. The broken bread represents the broken body of Jesus. The cup represents the blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. He doesn't want us to forget that. He wants us to believe in that all the days of our lives. So he tests them. He tests them. And off the back of this point, that's a, that's, that's a good day. That's a good thought. But the second thing we see is he offends them. He offends them. In John chapter 6, verse 60, it says, On hearing it, on hearing what Jesus had just said about eating my flesh and drinking my blood, Many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said, them, uh, said to them, does this offend you? <laughs> this does my head in right here. You see, they were offended. Jesus knew it, but he didn't apologise. They were offended. Jesus knew it, but he didn't apologize. 
See, the offence was not on Jesus. The offence was on them. The offence wasn't in Jesus. The offence was in them. And they were offended, not because Jesus was being offensive. Jesus was not being offensive. He was being provocative, yes. He was being edgy, absolutely. But he wasn't being offensive. Yet the people were offended. Why? Because they didn't like what he was saying. They were offended at what he said, not because Jesus was offensive, but because they just didn't like it. They were offended by what they had heard. And here's the thing about offence. It builds a fence around you. When you get offended, you fence yourself in. And that offence stops you hearing clearly. It stops you seeing clearly. And as a result of not hearing or seeing clearly, we respond poorly. And that's what we see here. These people are now arguing with Jesus. Their offence is so great, they're not hearing what Jesus is saying. They can't see the miracles. It was 24 hours earlier when they saw the miracles and they were rejoicing, wanting to make Him King. But they've lost sight of all of that now because of their offence. They were offended. But not because Jesus was offensive, but because they didn't like what they heard. And when you're offensive... Or sorry, when you're offended, you become very judgmental. That's the outworking of an offended person. They start judging people. And the way that manifests is talking badly about people. And we start judging people's motive instead of asking questions to get clarity. If somebody's talking to you about somebody... The first question we need to ask is, have you spoken to that person? Because until you've spoken to that person, you don't have a context. You just have your feelings. And feelings come and feelings go. But most of the time, our feelings lead us astray. You remember when David, young David, before he became king of Israel, the one who slayed Goliath, do you remember before any of that happened, he was looking after sheep? And his father said, I want you to go to the field of battle and I want you to give some food to your brothers. And so in obedience to his father, he gets the uh, sheep looked after and he goes to the battlefield and he gives the food to his brothers and his brothers give him heaps. And they start judging his motive. What are you doing here? Who did you leave those sheep with? They didn't say, hey, um, does dad know you're here? You okay? You all right? They start judging his motive. You've only come here to see a battle and there's no battle going on. They're so judgmental, they can't even see what's not happening. P.S. There's no battle. P.S. They're all scared. And they start judging David's motives because they were offended. We are not going to ever interpret the Word of God correctly when we live with an offence. I believe that through this season that we're in, God is wanting to expose and deal with our offences. It's not the moment where everyone stands up and claps. It's just not that moment. 
Jesus tests them. He offends them. And thirdly, Jesus lets them go. He lets them go. John chapter 6, verse 66, 666, says this, From that time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. So who were they following? The beast, 666. Just had that thought in the chapel service this morning. Could just be an early morning silly thought. Who knows? Here's the thing you need to understand. They did not leave because they didn't understand it. They left because they couldn't accept it. And in them leaving, Jesus exposed their unbelief. Remember, this whole thing started with Jesus testing them. If I'm wrong then we're going to see. You imagine Jesus starting talking about eating my flesh and drinking my blood. That's great. That makes sense to us, Lord. The response of the people determined where they were really at. And Jesus just lets them go. And here's the crazy thing. He doesn't just let them go. He challenges those who stayed. It doesn't say a few left. It doesn't say some left. It says many. And many equals most. And so instead of Jesus saying, oh, guys, uh, sorry. I mean, at that moment, you're trying to hold on to what you've got now. You think. But not Jesus. Not Jesus. Jesus just turns to the few who stayed and said, so guys, what's it going to be? Do you want to leave too? Who would like this security? Who would like this freedom from fear, freedom from man? Who would like that? That no matter what is happening in your life. See, Jesus at that moment was trying to model something that him and his father is enough. I don't need the accolade of men. It's so fleeting. Yesterday they were wanting to make him king. Now they're leaving in 24 hours. And Jesus is absolutely comfortable with it. He wants to be like Jesus. And he looks at those that he'd been walking with for a period of time. He says, do you want to leave too? And this is Peter's response. John chapter 6, verse uh, 67 to 69. Do you want to leave too? He asked the 12. And Simon Peter, God bless Peter, said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe in you and we've come to know that you are indeed who you say you are. You are the Holy One of God. And Peter at that moment proved that he understood what Jesus was saying. He said, you have the words. I believe in you. I know you're the Holy One of God. As the band come up, we have a decision to make this morning see while many departed Peter decided are you going to be one of the ones who departed 
or decided? It's up to you. Are you going to be the one, one of the departed or one of the devoted? It's up to you. Are you going to be one of the departed or one of the dedicated? It's up to you. Are you going to be one of the departed or one who declares, where else can I go, God? You have the words of eternal life, God. I believe in you, Lord. I know you're the Holy One of God. I'm not going anywhere. To that, Jesus said, great. Come follow me. This is the same Jesus that was a lamb to the slaughter that laid down his life for us. He's also the lion. Have you ever seen one of those National Geographic programs where you see the lion in the jungle and there's all these flies around their face? They don't even move. I'm not going to even waste my time with a fly. That's, that's Jesus at this moment. He just leaves. He says, you want to leave too? Because right now, I couldn't even be bothered shooing them away. Just go. Because Jesus knew you couldn't build a kingdom. On, hey guys, please come back. You can't change the world with, come on, please. I didn't mean what I said. You can't build a kingdom on that. You can't build a kingdom on people who have to come to the front every week and be prayed for because they've got a toenail infection. You can't build a kingdom on that. You can't build a kingdom on people who's going to get offended as easily as we do. You can't build a kingdom on that. It's a guy that's speaking to us as a church. That, that's not in question. God is speaking. And now it's for us to decide. Are we going to be part of the departed or the decided? Part of the uh, departed or the dedicated? The departed or the devoted? The departed or those that declare, to whom else can I go? I have come to believe in the Lord. I have come to know He is the Holy One of God. It's up to you. It's up to us. Please stand with me this morning. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 